שבוע טוב, and uh, welcome to Chai FM to Soul to Soul. I'm Rebetzin Edel Kozilski, and uh, we're here for me at a momentous occasion. We are going to be learning our last chapter of Tehillim in the series of Tehillim. I haven't yet um, I've had intention to, actually, for the last week or two. I wanted to go back and uh, work out how many chapters of Tehillim um, that I've taught on air. I haven't yet, but I think that we certainly came close to almost half the book of Tehillim. Just as a summation, we've learned all the Tehillim to do with Hallel, the, um, the, the davening that we do on Rosh Chodesh and on Yamim Tovim. We have done all the Shir Hama'alot, all the songs of ascent. Those were 15 of them. We have done all the chapters of Tehillim that we say in Shul on Kabbalat Shabbat. We have done the whole of Kuf Yud Tet, chapter 119, which in essence is made up of 22 mini prakim. That took us a good six months. We've learned chapters 1 to 4. We've learned chapter 20, chapter 23. Um, and I'm trying to think if there is anything else. That's why I wanted to do an absolute accounting. What I'm going to do now today with all of you out here is to uh, learn the final chapter of um, the book of Tehillim, which is also said many, many times um, in various uh, on various occasions. And that kind of like puts the cherry on top of, I think, almost close on a two-year stint of studying Tehillim. And, uh, you know, it is my hope and prayer. And I have had feedback that these discussions that we've had, you know, have given people a greater appreciation of Tehillim. Um, and uh, of, of Psalms and what King David was telling us. And please, God, at the end of the show, I will introduce to you what it is that we are going to be learning moving forward. So you're going to have to uh, hang around and listen up. And, um, yeah, maybe maybe in this show I invite uh, the listeners out there to Radio, give back that's comment, better than the rest. Um, anything that you felt that you have achieved or learned through the process of listening to these uh, verses of, of Tehillim? Did it change your life? Are you more committed to to saying Tehillim? You know, what does Tehillim do for you in your life? I'd love to hear from you. The SMS is 34519. Our WhatsApp number is 61 so let's get stuck into chapter 150, which isn't a very, very long verse, a, a long chapter. Very interestingly, it has the sum total of six verses, but there is so much to say that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty nervous that I'm not going to get through it all, but let's take a bash. So chapter 150, the last uh, chapter, is a, uh, a final psalm that Basically, King David summarizes the entire book of Tehillim. Because what is Tehillim really all about? It's the ability, it's the, it, Tehillim gives man the opportunity, um, to develop, to enrich his soul, to recognize his accomplishments, to, to see Hashem's kindness. And, and when we see all of that and we do all of that, we do that by singing praise. To Hashem. And really, I think that we've said it many times, but what Tehillim has come to teach us is that the challenge of life is to recognize Hashem, to recognize God in every situation. Um, 
we sometimes think that God is sitting in some remote, some uh, some awesome shul or sanctuary or Beit Hamikdash or Mishkan Tabernacle, um, or you know, and 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 God is so distant from us. But in truth, when we recognize God in every situation. We're able to praise him because we see his, his greatness and his kindness in our day-to-day life. And um, we can praise Hashem in many different ways as well. Sometimes we can perceive God's closeness um, when we see his judgment, and that can overwhelm us. For example, like when we hear the blast of the, the, the shofar of, of, of the ram's horn, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it's there to give us a sense of awe, a sense of we're standing before the Almighty King. We, we are standing in judgment. Other times, people can connect and actually hear God quietly when things are, when there's tranquility, when there's a space of silence. Sometimes we recognize God then. There are other times that we feel God in our gusto, in, in the tempo and the, the beating of, 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 of a horror dance, for example, at a wedding. So there are many, many times, places, spaces that we feel God. And what this Tehillim comes to, to teach us is that through the various instruments that we're going to hear about in this chapter, King David tries to um, connect. He tries to um, tune in, so to speak, to the broad spectrum of human emotion. And each musical instrument um, shows a different emotion. So this is really what Chapter 150 is all about. As a caveat before, they, um, they, there is a repetition over here um, of the word hallelujah. Now, I have said it correctly for purposes of teaching, but the word hallelujah is actually made up of two words. Hallelujah, yud hey, praise Hashem. And so in the course of teaching, even though I have pronounced it correctly for purposes of teaching, moving forward, I am not going to pronounce the name um, in its completeness. I'm going to say the word Hallelujah. I am changing Hashem's name from a Yudhe to a Kufhe in respect that I should not just use Hashem's name um, in, in the ordinary, in ordinary course of things. And the reason I'm, I'm telling you this now is because the word halaluka, the, 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 the root hal, halal comes many times. It's halaluka, halalu kelbekocho, halaluhu bekeozo, halaluhu bigvrotav, halaluhu karov gudlo, halaluhu. You can hear that there is this repetition all the time, um, until we get to the end and it ends at the end with another hallelujah. So by the way, when people like to say hallelujah, you know what? Don't say it because you're actually using Hashem's name. Say praise be the Lord if you would like to use, use the English connotation. Now, when we look at um, this chapter of only six verses, you will see that the composition of this um, chapter, the word hallelujah and hallelujah um, comes ten times, and it basically all the time is coming to call the Jews to praise, 
to praise Hashem. But we know that with everything that we learn in Torah, there is like a practical, there's a surface reason for it, and there are many, many other reasons. And it's very, very significant here that um, the, 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 the word halaluhu and halalu is mentioned 10 times. And there are many, many reasons for it. The first reason is that, and we've said this before, even though King David is the main composer of Tehillim, this book was put together and it has compositions of 10 other, 10 men altogether. David being one of them, the other being Adam Arishon, um, the first man, Adam, Malkitzedek, Abraham, Abraham, Moshe, Moses, David, Solomon, a person by the name of Asaph, and the three sons of Korach. And if you want some more elucidation on those 10 people, then go back um, into my podcasts and you will see right at the beginning when I did start the series of Tehillim, we went and um, explained those t- who, who the 10 people are, a little bit about each and every one of their lives. And as we actually learnt Tehillim, we learnt certain of the chapters that were formulated. For example, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, he was the composer of uh, the verse of the chapters, the 11 chapters that we say on Kabbalat Shabbat, and we learned all of those, um, you know, uh, consecutively. So that is, first of all, one of the, the reasons why the word halaluhu is actually said um, ten times. The other reason that uh, we we have the word ten over here, or the number ten rather, is that God God created the world with ten sayings. If you go back to creation, you will see that it says Vayomer Hashem, and God said that happens ten times. And in having the pronouncement, uh, the pronouncement of ten. Um, sayings in this world, it says that God um, created, these 10 sayings created 10 permanent levels of sanctity. Um, And it is through these 10 levels of sanctity that God reveals his divine presence on earth. And in this final capital of Tehillim, in this final chapter of Tehillim, God David praises God on all these levels. So he starts with hallelujah, Kel Bukocho praises God in his sanctuary, which is the most sublime of, of, of the heights of these levels of sanctity that God created or levels of world. And it ends with the words, that he, he, he concludes with praise Hashem with Tzilzalei Trua which is the broken sound, trua is that broken sound um, that we hear from the shofar, that, that, that um, it, it sounds like a tortured sighing of a man, okay? And it ends off with the person that every single neshama should praise Hashem. So the number 10 is significant. One, because there were 10 composers to the Tehillim. Two, there were 10 sayings with which the world was created. And the repercussion of the 10 sayings of the world was that there were actually 10 worlds, 10 levels that were created. And as we go through the various praises, we are going through from the most sublime, 
Hallelujah, Kel Bekotchel, that we are praising Hashem um, in His sanctuary, in His holiness. And we go through the various levels until we come to the last one where we have Kol Halalka, that every single human being down here on planet Earth is praising Hashem. You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Welcome back. And uh, I've just got in a little bit of an SMS from a gentleman called Stephen, who's asked me to learn Le'iloi Nishmas Yitzchak ben Herschel, that is his late father. So I'm happy to dedicate this Torah learning across the waves for the Le'iloi um, Nishmas, for, 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 for the soul of your um, dear father Yitzchak ben Herschel. We are learning chapter 150. That's the final chapter of the book of Tehillim. And we've just started getting our teeth into these six verses, which are so replete with so much meaning. And uh, we said just before the break that the 10 um, praises corresponds to the 10 utterances that the world was created with, which corresponds in turn to the... um, Ten worlds, ten levels that God created. And so the first one, hallelujah, Kel Bekocho, praise God in his sanctuary. Um, here the Radak is saying that this, this level is the most sublime level. It's the most sublime celestial level. This is where the angels who surround God's throne is found. And it's a place of Kadosh. And the angels here are called Kadoshim. That's why we say, God who is dreaded in the hidden innermost council of the holy ones. Angels are called Kadoshim. And that is, by the way, why every single day when we say uh, the Amida, we come to, in the repetition, we say Kadusha, a sanctification. We use the words Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Sanctify, sanctify, sanctify. Holy, holy, holy. And we put our feet together because we try to mimic these Kadoshim, these angels. So the first place that we praise Hashem is in the highest celestial level. And this is where we, we, we praise like the angels that are found there. Now we come down. One level, we come into the next level. This level is called Rakia. And the way that King David uh, expresses this, he says, Halleluhu Berakia Uzo. Praise God in the firmament of his power. All right. Now, Rakia, um, is a, a barrier between heaven and earth. I don't know if we could call it the ozone layer. I'm not sure that that is correct, but I think that the metaphor, the analogy is correct. I don't know if it's practically the ozone layer, but we are taught by Amaforashim that everything the earth receives from heaven passes through the rakia. In fact, even light does not shine directly on earth. It passes through the rakia. It's refracted and filtered there and then allowed to come onto earth so that uh, it can function in a proper way. And uh, we are taught further by the Kabbalists that everything, all God's gifts to humanity, all the forces that have to come into this world, go th- descend through the Rakia and then come down into the world. Very interestingly, the Midrash tells us that we know there are 17 nations 
in this world, okay, and that with those 70 na- nations, each nation except the Jewish people have a guardian angel that controls the affairs of each nation. And the Midrash comes and tells us that um, the, 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 these 70 guardian angels exercise their force in the firmament. What about the Jews? Well, the Jews are governed exclusively and direct, directly by Uzo. So, hallelujah, berakia, uzoi. Praises Hashem in his rakia. That is for the world. Uzoi, God's power. That is when, that, that is for the Jews. We do not have guardian angels. But if, God forbid, the Midrash says, we become estranged from God, and we choose to sin. Then God allows the 70 nations to wield power over us and we suffer in exile amongst our hostile foes. So the rakia is the second level. And so now we see in verse one, hallelujah, praise the Hashem, hallelujah, let's praise Hashem in Kocho, in Kadosh, in the place of holiness, in the place of sanctity where the angels are found, Halaluhu, Berakia Uzo, then we go down one level and we are praising Hashem in the firmament, which is the interface between heaven and earth. Now we go down to the third level, Halaluhu, Bigvorotav, which is translated as praising Hashem for his mighty acts. But uh, we are told that the bigvurotav comes from the word gvura. Gvura means discipline, means strictness. And gvura on a Kabbalistic level um, is the, the manifestation of gvura in this world is teva, is nature. Why? Because in order for God, unbelievably powerful light to come into this world, God needed to go through a contraction. He needed to be, so to speak, disciplined, focused, um, and, and, and very like put together, kind of like, like the sensation you'll get when somebody is disciplined and somebody is showing Gavura, somebody is showing judgment. Okay. And so the Sforno comes and tells us that this is the level of Teva. This is the level of nature. And we see an, an orderliness. We see a, a, a self-discipline in nature in that it runs. In fact, it was, it was quite funny. I was sitting on, um, Shabbos morning outside. Um, I woke up very, very early to say the book of Tehillim because it was, um, Shabbos Mavarachim. It was, we were blessing the new moon of Nisan and it was, it was, just at dawn, I think I was up at five. Don't ask me why I get up at five on a Shabbos morning, but I did. And I thought to myself, I don't think anybody has ever thought, um, what happens if the sun doesn't come up today? Have you ever thought that? What happens if the sun didn't come up today? Um, the sun is, is something that, that, that we know and we can rely on, <laughs> like clockwork. It comes up in the morning and it goes down at night and it has been doing that from the, from the day of creation. And that is a sign in a sense of gavura, of strictness, of judgment, of self-discipline that that is happening. So hallelujah, big tav, praise Hashem for his mighty acts on a much deeper level saying, let's praise Hashem in the, in, in the sphere of, of teva, of nature, 
Um, Gevura obviously means a mighty act. And uh, another commentator, the Radak, says um, many times God had to create a mighty act for the sake of the Jewish people to demonstrate that Israel is his nation. Mighty acts such as turning over nature as in the going out of Egypt with all its uh, miracles of and, and plagues that we saw. We see it today where we I was talking to somebody this weekend about the, 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 the miraculous victories that Israel has had, say, in its wars, in the Six-Day War, in the, in the Yom Kippur War, in the Raid of Entebbe, how seemingly insignificant things came together and there was nothing short of a miracle that we were victorious. This is the Gevura. So we can praise Hashem from his mighty acts that he, he, you know, he changes the way of Teva, the way of nature. But we also thank Hashem in nature. We praise Hashem in nature because um, he is found there as well. The second part of this verse reads, Hallelujah, Karov, good law. Let's praise him as befits his abundant greatness. Um, now, what we know is that Hashem's greatness, Karov, good law, his, 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 we will see a new dimension of Hashem's greatness when we will have Mashiach. When God finally redeems the Jews from amongst the, um, the nations, then we will see his greatness. In fact, it says in Yechezkel, the hit gadilti, the hit kadishti. I will become great. I will become sanctified and I will become known in the eyes of the many and they will know that I am Hashem. That is a prophecy about the time to come. Then what happens is that once we have gone through those four levels, Kadosh, where the angels exist, Rakia, that uh, interface between heaven and earth, Teva, that, that part of uh, the, the world which we see as nature, what happens then is King David begins to enumerate nine different musical instruments. Each one of these nine musical instruments um, produces a different sound. Okay, and this, these nine musical instruments were there um, to to be used as an analogy, as a metaphor for man. But more than that, music in and of itself, and this is this is this is a, a discussion that we could discuss for hours on end. Okay, music is employed to achieve spiritual heights. Okay, music has a tremendous power to us because. Music is of a, it's a quality that we cannot see and we cannot touch and we cannot really be in contact with. It goes through the sense of hearing and hearing enters and vibrates in our soul in a very, very powerful manner. And music exerts a tremendous and an extraordinary influence on on, on a person's emotions. And that's why you can see sometimes when you look at these uh, wild rock contests that people can literally lose themselves. Uh, if you have pleasure in listening to some type of music, just try connect with that pleasure. It's a very, very sublime pleasure. Um, you know, when you're tasting chocolate or you're, you're holding something that you like or, or you're feeling something, you do get pleasure out of it, but it's, it's a far baser pleasure than when it comes through when, when, when you're listening to music. Um, and many, many times, in addition, one could have dormant thoughts, dormant feelings, 
And when you listen to a certain piece of music, the medium of music will actually bring it out. And so King David now takes nine instruments, and each instrument was there to touch another mood of a human being. But before we actually get into those nine instruments, there's an absolutely fascinating and interesting other idea that's found in rabbinic tradition. We're taught that certain celestial bodies, meaning the stars, the planets, and the moon that God created, okay, they were all endowed by God with the power to control the affairs of earth. Um, and the way that we can explain this more is that all of these celestial bodies that surround planet earth, um, let's find an analogy, could probably act as what we would know in our world as a transmitter or a transformer. Meaning when Hashem wants to accomplish a specific act and what he does, he sets in motion a spiritual force. What happens with that spiritual force then is that the celestial bodies transform it into a physical force and that affects the physical nature of earth and all its inhabitants. And when we look at it from that point of view, you will see that according to Torah, there are nine prime celestial bodies that affect earth. And as they, their forces are transmitted to earth, each body emits a spiritual message that is akin to sound. And we are, we learn fascinatingly that in times of, in days of old, there were master musicians that could distinguish these extraterrestrial sound waves from what we know to hear on planet earth. And the musicians of old, were so talented and, and, and had the ability to connect to them that they fashioned musical instruments that simulated them. And now when we look at these nine instruments that King David is talking about, they are actually, they, their sounds match the emanation of one of the celestial bodies. So don't think that NASA is nuts in putting out these big dishes, trying to listen out for the sounds in the universe. They exist. We learn it right here in Tehillim. They do exist. They're inaudible to the human ear, but they do exist. And that there were people who had the ability to, to hear them. And the um, instruments that were fashioned Today, I'm fashioned and, and spoken about in this chapter of Tehillim, each of them simulated one of the sounds. Um, I want to share with you just an example that the Talmud brings between the, that, that observes, the Talmud observes a relationship between the soul and the sounds emitted. Um, and they use the example of the sun. The, the, the Talmud, it's in, it's in the Gomorrah of Yoma, says as following, The rabbis taught, three sounds travel from one end of the world to the other. The sound of the sun in orbit, the sound of the roaring Roman masses, and the sound of the soul when it leaves the body. Some others add to the list the sound of the cry at birth, and some add in the sound of the Ridya. Ridya is the angel that is in charge of sending rain throughout the world. 
And the Talmud goes on and says that although these sounds are inaudible to the ear, they will interfere with conventional sound waves and will make regular voices more difficult to hear. Pretty interesting. Um, again, something that, that, that today we need to have very sophisticated machinery to listen to, but it's, it's replete in, in the Gomorrah that the sun makes a sound going around in orbit. When the soul leaves the body, it makes a sound. Um, those things we cannot hear, but we must know that they are there. Having said that, let's just, before we get into the actual, um, Instruments. Let's understand one more idea that has to actually do with with Adam, the first man, Adam. We know that before his first sin, it says Adam was like heaven and earth. Okay, he was described as a creature of truth. His achievement was truth. He he knew what he was doing, and he was completely connected with godliness, God, the cosmos, the universe, everything. And he never had any, Adam never had any struggles within. He never had any friction inside of him. He was completely, perfectly harmonious. What happened when he sinned, our rabbis teach, okay, his sin caused him to err, to, to, to deviate from God's course, okay. He made a lot of noise. It was like something falling apart. And that then became the modus operandi of man, that we're actually made up of a lot of noise, a lot of disparate jingles and jumps and hums and bumps and et cetera, et cetera. We know as well that King da that Adam was supposed to live for a thousand years. And then he saw the soul of King David and that King David was only to be alive for a couple of uh, moments. And so he gave 70 years of his life to King David and the rabbis teach that David's entire life was devoted to correcting Adam's mistake. And how could he create this cacophony of noise that, 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 that Adam brought into this world? David took the inspiration of music and songs of praise. And through his Tehillim, he tried to refine the human character to go back to achieve the perfection um, of Adam before the sin. So that is like quite an absolutely fascinating idea of how the entire thing comes together. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back. And we've got maybe 10, 15 minutes just uh, together to, to try and sum up probably one of the, the most powerful chapters of Tehillim. And so let's get stuck into looking at the various instruments that we've been speaking about. Again, as a summation, King David created, spoke about nine instruments. Um, each one of those sounds were there to create the cacophony of noise that Adam Harishon, that Adam, the first man created by sinning. So he talks, uh, he goes like this. He goes, Halleluhu, um, Betekea Shofar. That is the first one. With the blast of the shofar. Let God be, be praised with the blast of the shofar. Now, Shoifer here also is representative of the Chatzotzrot, the metal trumpets, and they would produce a similar time. And many time the, 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 the trumpets would be blown in tandem with the shofar. Now we know when we hear a shofar, it creates an awesome, like almost like a frightening, it's frightening sound. And this, 
this musical instrument comes to teach that even when a person finds himself in crisis, that we're trembling with fear, we should nevertheless remember that at that very moment where things look so scary, we are still the beneficiary of God's abundant kindness because we're still breathing and we're still functioning. And even though things look real scary right now, broken, loud, like things are really like there's, there's a, there's, there, there's a tumultuous, like, uh, reverberation within us. We must know that in that we can find God. So, hallelujah, but take shofar. We, 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 uh, we, we praise Hashem with the sound of the shofar or the trumpets, the that is representative of a man in crisis. Hallelujah, benevil. Let us praise him with the nevil. Now, the nevil is, is described as the nevil osar. And uh, Rashi goes and says that this instrument, okay, was able to produce 10 different tones. Um, and if you look further in, the commentators say this was a wind instrument. And it was perforated with 10 holes and it blew uh, music out. And these 10 holes were symbolic of the ten levels of creation, the ten, um, the ten halalukas that we're talking about, the ten divine praises, the ten utterances, and this we get we get connected in to the process of creation. Halaluhu benevel, praise Hashem with nevel, vekinor with a um, a harp. Most people agree that it is a harp. Now, kinor has the same word. Kinar, like a flame. And it's kind of suggested that the music of the kinar of the, of this harp arouses singers to flaming passion. And it's a very delicate instrument. It produces very soft and smooth, uh, soothing sounds. So this musical instrument teaches us that in quiet and serene periods of life, we have to have the peace of mind and understand God's kindness and we should sing God's praises. This is when, 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 when our life is not a cacophony of noise, when it's not in a crisis, when we're not turbulent, but rather the vice versa, where it's quiet, it's serene, and we can listen to God and connect to God in a very quiet way. Hallelujah. Betof umachol. Right, what is a tof? A tof is a tambourine. It's a hoop. They used to put parchment, they used to stretch parchment on it, and they used to put small bells in the room. What we know is a tambourine. Some other uh, rabbis say it wasn't made of wood, it was made of, of, of metal. But what does a tambourine do? It produces a loud, exciting noise. It's, it's an accompaniment to lively dance, dancing. And this, um, instrument is suggestive of the difficult periods of life where a person is swept up in the overly hectic whirlwind of activity and pressures mount and demands on his time increase. Peace of mind is shattered. There's a frenzied rush. Our, our rabbis teach, King David is teaching here in this busy period, set aside time in your schedule, contemplate the works of God, praise God for guiding all the events um, in your life, all the human affairs. Machol comes from, is, is, is described as a circular dance. Some other people go and say, well, they said the circular dance happened because of the toff, because of the tambourine, which we, which we can easily see in our mind's eye. Others go and say machol is synonymous with the word chalil, which means a flute. Okay? 
you know, one of those pipe-like structures. Um, and we know that a flute produces a, a mournful sound, and that's suitable when when a person, God forbid, finds himself in a in a, a place of sadness, when one is frightening, when one is frightened. Okay, so one we've got the tof, which is a happy-sounding instrument, and then we've got the machol, which is a more subdued one. And this is just does it teaches us that no matter what a person's mood, we've always got to praise Hashem. Hallelujah, b'minim ve'ugav. Okay, um, minim, minim is not means many kinds, which means that this was an instrument that was composed of many parts. It had a wide range. Of, of, of sounds. Um, some say that the minim was an instrument that was made of many separate units. Um, it was assembled together on a, an ascending scale of notes, and it probably sounded similar to what we know today as a clavichord, which a clavichord, by the way, is a, is a stringed musical instrument with a keyboard, and the tones are produced by the action of metal pins. Um, the ugav um, is a kind of flute. Here again, these instruments, because they're so multifaceted, will fit into the men's, man's mood wherever he will find himself. We've described the four main moods, sad and frightened, crisis time, quiet time, happy time. But in between those many moods are many more subtle moods, and the, these other instruments fit into there. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Praise Hashem with Tzitzelay Shama. Here, the Tzitzelim and the Radak, the commentator here, says that those are two copper plates beaten one against the other to produce a loud, a loud crashing sound, the symbols. Okay? And the Mishnah tells us that when the temple orchestra, you would find all of these incredible instruments. You would have two trumpets. You would have nine kinors. When it came to the tzilzalei um, shamar, these big, huge cymbals, boom, there was only one of them. And there was always a special person appointed to be in charge of them, um, and they were called the Ben Arza. Very interesting, a sound crashing of, of cymbals. Hallelujah, trua, trua again goes back to the trumpets where there's that staccato, da, 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 da. So, um, tiltsele shama are the cymbals that are held with the hands. Tiltsele trua are much smaller discs. They, they said that they would fasten them to the thumb and one to the middle finger and it would, it was like, I think, a castanet. And those two things also described um, various moods. Time is short. I'd love to say much more on all of these, but let's just sum it up with what King David says at the end, let the entire soul, let the entire people, let all these many different instruments and musical tones, let them all come and praise Hashem. Because this is what it's about. It's about recognizing God in our life. It's recognizing that in the various aspects of our lives, the various periods of our lives, everything about our lives, God is in it. And all the different noises that we hear, all the different sounds that reverberate, reflect the various places, moods um, that w one finds it in. And the, the main message here is that each and every one of us should come and bless, us, bless Hashem. We should say, 
Halleluca. And that really concludes um, the, the, the 2,527 verses of praise that Tehillim is made up. And as always, I hope that these lessons um, have encouraged you to pick up a book of Tehillim, to say these words, to listen to them, to understand them, to let them reverberate through your consciousness, because through that you will find through King David's description, you will find yourself in it and it will bring much connection, much solace to the soul that wants to cry out and praise Hashem. That concludes the book of Tehillim for now. Um, there is going to be a three-week break where I will not be on air due to various reasons, one of them being Pesach. Another is that I'm going to be out of town next week. But please, God, I will be joining you um, again at this time on a Monday between 1 and 2 and when we get back after Pesach we are going to be delving into the book and particularly the Parsha of Genesis of Bereshit and we are going to uncover the mystical secrets of the creation of the world I think it's going to be a fascinating journey um, and I welcome and hope that all of you will join me on that in the meantime I wish everybody Please God, this coming week, a Chodesh Tov, a, a, a happy new month, the month of Geula, the month of redemption is upon us, the month of Pesach. Have a spiritually fulfilling Pesach. Don't fret too much about how many salads and fishbowls you have on the table. Find something within yourself to redeem. Find within yourself the spirit of redemption. And if by chance we are not redeemed by God, I will see you later, but here's with the blessing that we should have the ultimate redemption with the arrival of Mashiach now. Thank you.